What's up, sports ballers? Welcome to episode 8 of Sports Ball. In this episode, we get some uh, first-hand knowledge from the Casey Masterpiece 400. That's a NASCAR race. Andrew is there. He tells us all about it. Uh, I admit that I'm wrong about the Toronto Raptors. We talk a bit about the NBA playoffs. And then at the end, a bit of the discussion on people arguing about who the greatest of all time is in sports and kind of how we feel about all that. So take a listen. Enjoy. Hello, Cam. Hey, Andrew. What's going on? Not too much. How are you? You know, I am doing all right, sir. Thank you. Good. So, uh, you want to you wanna tell me about a little special event from this weekend? Yeah, and first I'd like to apologize to our uh, listeners that I did not record a segment from the race. I don't think we would have been able to hear it anyways. I mean, Well, that was wanna... kind of the point, frankly. That's what I was hoping, was there's going to be nothing but engines. <laughs> well, I mean... The closest thing I could come up with is, like, if you just started talking now and I was, like, just started, like, going dun, 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 over you. That's pretty much the effect. So where were you now, <laughs> now that we've laid that groundwork? Um, I was at the Casey Masterpiece 400 at Kansas Speedway, second race under the lights this year. You know that it took me about five years of living here before I realized the Casey Masterpiece meant Kansas City. I had no idea my entire life. Wow. Yeah, that shows you how how quick on the uptake I am. So you were at the, the second race under the lights of the NASCAR season. Yes. How'd it go? Well, uh, we were actually on pace for a record. We did not have a what they call a natural caution. There was one caution at lap 30, and that was called a competition caution. That just allows the team to change their tires because the rubber had been washed off the track from the previous days. So after that, um, there was not another caution until about lap two, uh, 230, 235, somewhere in there. We were on pace to become the first race since 2002 to not have a natural caution in a super short race time-wise. It's going to be over shortly after 945, and it started at 7. However, we had a big wreck with about uh, 15, 20 to go. And uh, that since cars scattering all over the infield, about four or five cars took a while to clean up. So I had a little little bit of time. Uh, but in the end, um, uh, Kevin Harvick held off uh, Martin Truex Jr. And Kyle Larson, who had been running well all day. Um, Brian Blaney, who's my, uh, who I've become a fan of. He was running well all day and then um, got up against uh, Kyle Larson late in the race and uh, – blew a tire and suffered some side damage. So he headed to the garage for the rest of the night. But, uh, Harvick won his fifth race in a row and we're seeing kind of, a once in a generation feat here, not since, um, Jeff Gordon in the early two thousands. Have we seen this much dominance from one, uh, one driver? Okay. So I have a number of questions. All right. Based on what you just said. So they took a caution on 30 laps just so that all the drivers could change their tires. Yes. Why? Um, because essentially they, they use the first 30 laps to lay down new rubber. Uh, and then, and then that way they, they come in and they get four fresh new tires. So, right. But my question, like I get the, I get the laying of the rubber down to increase, you Grip. know, 
grip and traction to reduce tire wear throughout the rest of the race. Like that makes sense to me. But the fact that it, it, it seems like a water timeout in soccer when it's too hot. Is that a fair comparison? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, they all have to run on the same tires. So it's not like one team comes in with a different tire than the other. They're all the, specifically designed for each track. So Goodyear. So is there's only there's only one tire option per track. Y- yes. Okay, because in Formula One you have three tire options for dry weather and then two for wet weather, and oh. you have to use two different compounds per race. No, this is one tire, and uh, it's a pretty infamous race. I think it's roughly it's probably been ten years now, but um, they went to the brickyard one year and Goodyear completely whiffed on the tires, and they like nearly ran out of tires to use because they were getting chewed up so fast on the track. So how many, because now I'm genuinely curious because I watched the, uh, the Barcelona Grand Prix today. So I'm in racing mode. How many pit stops are average in for, per driver in an NASCAR Grand Prix or not Grand Prix, whatever they call them, just a race. Yeah. So like it's a 400 mile race, right? Yeah. So 200, which is insane. That's, I mean, that is, that's crazy. How long that race is. Yeah, 267 laps. Oh, my God. That just sounds awful. Uh, Broken up into three stages. So, 80, 80, and then 107. Yeah. Uh, So, okay, what do you mean by broken into three stages like that? Is that just how they... All right, so the the winner of each race gets a spot in the playoffs. There's 16 spots in the playoffs. So, I believe that through, I don't know, we've had about... 12 races now. Kevin Harvick's won five of them, and I think there's been three other drivers that have won three or four other drivers. So they all have a spot. So then what happens is if the spots aren't filled, then they go off points. And so you earn points by winning stages. So, like, for example, Ryan Blaney won stage one, so he picked up a playoff point. So even though he didn't win a race, he made progress toward making the playoffs. Oh, that's really interesting. Now, I had lot... no idea that that was part of it. Yeah, so there's, so there's, lot... there's long-term strategy inside of each race in multiple points. Yes, so huh. for, for example, like lap eight, like once we get to lap 75, they, the teams had been kind of run in just, you know, as they were. But then uh, Harvick was running in second behind uh, Blaney, and he really charged in the last five laps. Like it, there was some really good racing going on those last five laps. So rather than you know lap eighty coming and going without much notice, now lap eighty and lap you know one sixty are essentially their checkered flags in their own in their own right. Yeah, it gives it gives a ludicrously long race some some points of peak interest. Right. Yeah. Huh, that's clever. I didn't know that. Yep, so, um, and as far as, like, average cautions, back to that question, you know, pit stops, stops, yep. Um, I'd say, like, six? How how long do they take? Uh, like, eight, eight, nine seconds. And that's fuel and tires, right? Yeah, and the pull the windshield thing off. Like, you know, they don't have windshield wipers, so 
Oh, they just have like the equivalent of ski goggle covers for their car windshield. Yeah, they have like stickers that, that are stickers, yeah. and one guy's job is to pull it off. So interesting, because Formula One stops are two and a half to three and a half seconds long. Anything over that is terrible, and they they don't refuel. They have a you ref, you you load your car up at the beginning of the race, and you have to make sure you can cross the line. So you have to manage your fuel the whole race, but their races are not 400 miles long. They're like 120. Yeah. So that's interesting. I, I, I think of car racing in terms of formula one. So this is, this has been a, uh, I did not realize there was so much, um, detail and like long-term versus short-term plays within each race towards the playoff. Like, yeah, I didn't know that existed. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. So then the playoffs will start like, Essentially in September, September, October, and then it ends like the first weekend in November. Like there's about nine or ten playoff races. Don't they call that the chase or something like that? Um, or is that the lead up to the playoffs? No, that's that is the playoffs. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. This weekend is the All Star race, so. Do they have an all-star race? <laughs> yeah. Essentially, it's just because um, then Memorial Day weekend is the Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte, which is the longest race of the year, 600 miles. And yeah. so it essentially gives teams two weeks at home in Charlotte since that's where the vast majority of teams are based. Um, so, you know, we're about a third of the way through the season. And so they just kind of build in – you know, more or less an all-star break, and all they have to do is show up to the track next Saturday night. And I don't even know how long the all-star race is. I just know a million dollars is on the line. So. Oh, I was kind of wondering what the incentive was going to be. Yep. A million bucks, that'll do it. Yes, it will. I mean, shoot, if someone wants to take the night off, I'll go drive for a million. Good luck. I mean, I'm not going to win, but that'd be really fun. You could be a starting park. Those are the, a starting park. Those are the really slow cars that have bad sponsors. They just run a few laps and then they head to the garage for the night. I'd do that. Shoot, I'd do that for like, buy me a plane ticket, put me in a hotel, give me $300. I'd do that in a heartbeat. And I'd videotape the whole thing and make a killer YouTube video. So kind of on this topic of of you wanting to drive. There is a um, simulator that you can buy. Like You could go and just buy it. And I don't think it's overly expensive. Called iRacing. And the detail on it is incredible. Uh, and it is. It's like um, it's a steering wheel and a gas pedal. But some people build, build it into this amazing simulator. But you mm-hmm. can do it pretty bare bones. Anyways, I believe it's Alex Bowman. He, like, came up through iRacing. Like, he didn't come up in real cars, like, on dirt tracks and the backwoods and whatever. Yeah, no go-karting. He just did the video game and got good enough at it that he got people's attention? Yes. Oh, well, color me interested. That sounds like my, uh, my, my type of training. And so it's kind of brought on a new wave of fan and like, it's like, you know, is 
NASCAR like a potential avenue where you know like an esports star could then become a real star in the sport? Like you can't over nowhere else <laughs> do that. Yeah, it's not like someone who's good at NBA 2K18 is going to get put on the shelf. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting uh, storyline. I mean, if you're really good at Madden, maybe you could make the Cleveland Browns. But that's probably it. Yeah, but I mean, I guess like the thing is, like, could you become like an offensive coordinator? Like, could you call plays? Like, if you're really good at calling plays on Madden, could you call plays in real life? I don't know. Okay, that no, that's a much more interesting discussion. Because that doesn't require the innate athleticism it would take to play at the NFL. But to be able to understand the game and to be able to understand play calling philosophy and defensive and offensive, like that's, I, that's, that's a much more compelling discussion, I think. Yeah. Huh. We shall see, I guess. The other component of a NASCAR race is the incredible people watching. There are a lot of shirts you think, wow, that shirt, the sleeves are cut off. It must be like 30 years old. Then you get up close and it's from a race last year. Um, Are we considered a family podcast? Because I have a couple of other t-shirts I'd like to share with the crowd. Uh, Bring it on. Let's go. All right. So we had a, a guy across the way from us. Well, this group of probably like 12 or 15 guys, they shotgunned a beer after every um after every uh, stage. So, you know, nowhere else in American sports are you in the grandstand and guys are shotgunning beers. Like, because you can bring your own beer in with you. Yeah, full, full cooler. Um, <laughs> so one of those guys had shaved. He'd obviously, like, grown his hair out, but he, like, buzzed everything but the back, so he had a pretty sweet mullet going on. And then his shirt said, I piss excellence. <laughs> But, but he was a distant second to the man who was easily our parents' age who came walking up the aisle past us, whose shirt read, tell your boobs to quit staring at my eyes. Oh, no. Oh, boy. And we also had a guy who was in front of us a few rows who had a leather Louis Vuitton visor on. That seems out of place. Yep. I mean, if I'm going to be fully judgmental, that does not seem like a place you'd expect to see some some Louis V uh, headgear. Well, I mean, I don't think this was any high-grade headgear by any stretch in the visor form. Like It looked like it was made out of one of those purses. Now you think it was a knockoff? It may have been. Some Louis Vuitton? Mm-hmm. So that was my Saturday night. I'll be back in October uh, when the playoffs return to Kansas Speedway for the uh, Kansas, excuse me, the Hollywood Casino 400. Hollywood Casino 400 in Kansas City. That makes no sense. Well, that's because the the casino right by the track is the Hollywood Casino. There's a casino there? Yeah. I've I've been near that track probably 50 times. I had no idea there's a casino up there. Yeah, it's a little bit to the west, uh, right in turn two. (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't help me. <laughs> well, it's like a way, like, there's the track, and, like, on one end of the track is, like, sporting stadium, and then mm-hmm. kind of, like, on the other end of the track is the casino. Oh, okay. That's why I don't know. Yeah. It's on the other side. Fair and, enough. 
All right. Well, uh, it's time for me to uh, admit something. What's up? Uh, I was I was really, 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 really wrong about the Toronto Raptors, Andrew. I thought they were going to put up a fight and, you know, kind of put LeBron at least not in his place because, I mean, his place is at the top, which we'll get to later in the show. Uh, but I did not expect the Cavaliers to run roughshod over the Toronto Raptors. Uh, in fact, they swept the Toronto Raptors four games to zero in the Eastern Conference semifinals. So, yeah, I was wrong about that. And uh, also, Toronto fired their coach after the season, even though he had three 50-win seasons in a row. He was coach of the year uh, during his tenure there. He's the winningest coach in franchise history. Um, so, yeah, there's some team's going to get lucky and, and land Dwayne Casey. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack uh, with what happened in Toronto, uh, one of which is why they didn't commit to double-teaming LeBron. Um, the other is the firing of Dwayne Casey, which those two may be connected. <laughs> I think so. And the, but it's also the second year in a row they've been swept by Cleveland in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, when you're the one seed, you know, you've, you've dominated to, to earn a one seed in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You you have to be really good. I mean, what are we what are we talking like ten or twelve losses, fifteen max? I don't know what the Rockets and the the Raptors have in terms of losses this year, but yeah, you know, not many. You know, outside of you know an NFL um, team that earns the buy, you have to dominate to earn the one seed. Um, but you know. Legacies are made in the playoffs, and like you said, uh, second year in a row they've been swept by the Cavaliers, and this is not the best Cavaliers team of, you know, even the last five years probably. So you're getting you're getting swept by a Cavaliers team who couldn't even find its way, it seemed, midway through the season. Um, you know, seemed to have some turmoil and tension in the locker room, um, and you, you still just can't. Get it together. You have seven chances to essentially beat them, and you can't do it. And, and well, and they just lost by what, like twenty? Yeah, was... lost it in the first game or something, just ludicrous mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um. So, well, yeah. So, it is one of those things where I, along with you know many more people who get paid to have these opinions, would never have guessed that this is how it would have gone down. Um, but I also think it's a bit of the, the ownership or the management group in Toronto seeing the success they've had and thinking that, okay, Casey got us here, but clearly he can't get it done in the playoffs. So let's go out and get somebody else. And I kind of want to be like, this is the best you've ever been. Even when you had Vince Carter back in the day, like this is the best you've ever been. This is the guy that's gotten you there. And you're gonna you're gonna get rid of the guy that is the best coach you've ever had. Like, who are you gonna replace him with? Right, this is my question. Right, and if they replace him with someone's assistant coach, then you know, unless that assistant coach is the next Phil Jackson or the next, you know, uh, Pat Riley. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what shakes out. But 
as a Pistons fan, I'm very interested because there's there's talks that the Pistons are looking at Dwayne Casey and getting rid of Stan Van Gundy. There's also talks of keeping Stan Van Gundy and making changes in the front office. And I don't know. We'll see. It's I just find it interesting when a coach has historically good seasons and historically good records and then can't get the job done against one team and they just, you know, cut bait and, and, and leave him, which is just like, it's cutthroat. And, but I mean, it's the pinnacle of sports. So yep. it's just good. kind of, you, you feel for him. And at the same time, you kind of go, God, I hope the Raptors didn't really screw this up because they could easily wind up being an out playoff team in three years if they hire the wrong guy. Right. But you see it in, you know, in everything. I mean, how many times have the Nationals made the playoffs and just, you know, I don't think they've won a series in the playoffs despite all their success. Um, yeah. You know, even here in our in our own backyard, um, you know, the, the Chiefs just stink in the playoffs despite how much, however much regular season success they have. So, yeah, there are certain coaches who can somehow scheme from week to week, but when the, the pressure turns up, they uh, they fall apart. Yep. Andy Reid is a regular season coach. Yep. Because who would have ever thought that Ned Yost would be the first one to bring Kansas City a championship? Uh... <laughs> no joke. Yikes. Yeah, that's a really good point. But... All right. Well, so anyways, in the NBA now, we've got Boston and Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's going to be really good. And then uh, Golden State and Houston in the West, which is just going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, it's going to be a really good series. They do not like each other. Uh, there's going to be multiple technicals. There's going to be. It's just going to be. That's going to be some fun basketball to watch. As that game started, that game started tonight, right? Yeah, it was forty-five, forty-one. Last I checked. Let me uh, go back real quick. It is fifty-six, fifty-six right now at half. Well, so if that's any indication, game one's tied yep. at fifty-six. So both teams are on pace for one twelve. That's going to be probably a low-scoring game in this series, would be my guess. Let's hope for seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, gosh. I'm probably have to watch that second half once we're done recording. All right. Go ahead. No, no, I... I was going to move on to our final topic, if that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's like a it's, a, it's a mini rant of sorts. Well, you go for it. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I have opinions, but you're the one that put it down, so I want to hear what you have to say. So I am not looking to argue whether LeBron is the greatest of all time, if he's the GOAT. Mm-hmm. I am more, I guess, and I, I understand there are, there are airwaves to fill. There's a debate to be had. But I, I just do not understand how with every shot, with every game, with every outcome, um, we have to debate whether or not a player is the, the greatest of all time or, or better than one player or a team is better than another team. I mean, why can't teams' st- accomplishments stand on their own? And I think that we are in an era of unprecedented greatness in multiple sports that we will not see you know, possibly again in our lifetime, whether you, you have LeBron in, in, in the NBA, you have Roger Federer in tennis, you have Serena Williams in tennis, you had Tiger Woods that, that has not been matched. Um, you have Tom Brady, who 
you know, is arguably as good as anyone has ever been. And so I, I don't think that you can point to maybe another 10 or 15 year span where you had this much greatness across so many sports. Um, but yet it seems that we have to say, well, you know, how does, how does, you know, LeBron, he, he's got fewer clutch shots than Michael, you know, he's not, Michael would hit game winners. LeBron, LeBron can't hit game winners. You know, whatever, whatever the hot. Yeah, except for is. that crazy bank shot he hit the night to right, win the, the series, the, so. the runner to the, the to the baseline. Yeah. So that's my that's my rant for the evening. Um, you know, I, I well, I, I understand the debate. I embrace the debate of it all, but it just seems like let's let's let these people finish their careers and then maybe. Um, but, but why do we have to do it at a, a macro level game by game? Yeah. And I, I'll take your point and I'll even raise it. Like in football, you had Brady Manning, Andrew Brees mm-hmm. all at the same time coming off of Brett Favre, love him or hate him. He, you know, he was decent. Um, but then in tennis you had Federer, but you also had Nadal and Djokovic. Mm-hmm. And then in, uh, golf, you had Tiger, but you also had Mickelson, and a few other dudes that I'm forgetting right now that were consistently pushing the level. In the NBA, you've got LeBron, you've got Kevin Durant, you've got James Harden, you've got Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, really the only sport that's missing a, a once-in-a-generation player right now is baseball. You know, you've got Bryce Harper. you got John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, in, ter- I, in, in terms of entertainment got- factor, I mean, Albert Poole's just hit his 3,000th hit. I mean, I, I would guess that – I would say that maybe he's the, the one – But right- you look at – but you look at pitchers in baseball, you've got Justin Verlander, Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw, Tim Lincecum. Like, it's not the same days as, like, the Braves' old rotation of, like, Glavin and Maddox and um, I can't remember his name, John Smoltz. Right. There we go. Like, there's not that dominant rotation where you have three legit aces on a team, but you've got guys like Kershaw and Verlander and Garrett Cole, who's mm-hmm. one of the new guys, that just can shut teams down. Yep. Um, and now on Houston, you've got Verlander, Dallas Keuchel, and Garrett Cole all on that roster. So that might be approaching. Now, granted, Verlander is the elder state elder statesman there, but right. that might be a rotation that's worthy of discussion with those Yankees rosters of Pettit and um, Roger Clemens mm-hmm. and those Braves rosters. David but, Wells, yeah, yeah, David. Oh God, David Wells. <laughs> I forgot about him. But yeah, I mean, to your point, like there is just there is a swell of of excellence and uh you know top level elite players but then you also have teams like the browns and teams like uh, i'm trying to think like nhl wise like the red wings now frankly they used to be great but i think the reason people have to argue about who the greatest of all time is is like we can't just let things happen we have to like try and place them in history. Like we have to say, like, oh, this rookie's going to be a Hall of Famer, right? Let, let the rookie have a career. You know, there was a there was a lot of people that were ready to put Ryan Leaf in the Hall of Fame the day he got drafted. Mm-hmm. Look what happened there. Had all the talent in the world, and just melted. And that's why so, that's why one of my favorite uh, Twitter accounts right now is Cold Takes Exposed. Cold takes exposed. Yes, and that is where they um, go and they find a guy who dished out a hot take, and then when it t- becomes just blatantly terrible or wrong, then they like retweet it. 
So is that pretty much just all Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, like two days after they say stuff? Um, you don't really don't see them too much. You you do see them on occasion, but not not too often. They're, those are two dudes I wish would never be on TV or radio or or written ever 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 again. They they are the puppets that make twenty four hour news what it is. I think that is an undisputed fact. Do you see what I That's my hot take right there. Yeah. Anyways, I agree with you. Like, just let let them play. Let's let's have the Michael LeBron discussion in twenty years when we're not so emotionally attached to it. You know. I agree. Cool. Indeed, indeed. I would ask for a NASCAR nugget, but we got a whole NASCAR section earlier, so that makes me very happy. Yes. You know, I'm happy to explain to people why I I go to races. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. That's there's way more going on than I would have ever thought. So you know, you, I, for one, happy that I got to at least properly understand. You know, typically, when you attend a, a fairly large scale event like that, you come home and you see at least someone else on Instagram or Facebook who has been there. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> It was me and me alone. I mean, they say you are the company you keep, but I appear to be a standout. Well, that just makes you special. Well, I, I welcome anyone to the track anytime. Well, maybe I'll have to go with you in October. Bring your earplugs. I actually still, uh, I don't know if I had mine too far in or something, but my right ear is, uh, is bothering me. But luckily, I, I live with a registered nurse. <laughs> Nurse Alley to the rescue. All right. Well, <laughs> on that, uh, I think that's it for this episode, huh? Works for me. All right, man. Have a good night. See you. Bye.